Dear Jesus, we pause to say thank you for waking us up this morning, for breathing into our bodies the breath of life. We are grateful for the gift of health, Lord. It is a precious gift. Help us to value it and appreciate it. Now as we commence this presentation, be in our midst, open our minds, give us understanding, and may we receive not just information, but also inspiration that will lead to transformation in our lives, is our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, let's recap really quickly. Health is very important. How many of you are passionate about health or being healthy? Would like to be healthy? How many of you are, if you like eating? Let me see you raise your hand. You like eating? Okay. And how many of you are selective with the foods that you eat? Or careful? You try to be. Right. Now, of course, foods can be very deceiving, right? They're foods that are very, they smell really good. They look really good. It's very tasty. But not everything you see is good for you. And not everything you eat is good for you. So you've got to be careful. So in our first session, we kind of talked about um, diet and destiny. We kind of talked about how the devil came in and he tempted uh, Adam and Eve. And of course, Eve, first, when she wandered away and she went to the tree, the knowledge of good and evil. And so... Uh, sin entered into this world on the point of what? Appetite. That was our point. That was our main point. Sin entered into this world on the point of appetite. The health and gospel connection was when Jesus came, He picked up where Adam and Eve, our first parents, fell, and that was on the point of what? Appetite. Do you remember His first temptation was what? If you be the Son of God, turn, command these what? Stones be made into what? Exactly. So appetite. So that's why appetite is very important for us. And we need to protect and guard our appetites and be informed because the devil has infiltrated, as I said, the food industry. That's what we covered in the first uh, session. He has infiltrated the food industry. It's laced with chemicals, additives, preservatives that actually break down the food, decompose the food, which actually contributes to adverse neurological effects. The whole thing about our presentation is God restoring His image and likeness in us, in our mind. And so if, it have, if it's having neurological effects, then we're not able to fully form the image of God in our minds, in our character. Okay? And then, of course, secondly, uh, He's infiltrated the pharmaceutical industries. And in fact, most industries, agricultural industries, uh, media industry, entertainment industry. So it's all an attack and assault on the mind. Okay? And that's the reason why we got to guard it. And what we eat is important because it helps to nourish our mind and keep it in an optimal uh, state of functionality. So let's quickly move on here. This is a little bit deeper, this second presentation. So you may take notes. Um, and of course, it's a little bit more intense. So this is the advanced course, you know, the first one was basic, this is advanced. Are you ready for it? So let's go as we journey together, as we build our case. So man has two natures. There's the outward nature, which is the body or the flesh, and the inward nature, which is your mind. Okay? It is your mind. Where is your mind housed or located? Where is it? We talked about it. Let's recap in the where. There are four parts or sections of the brain. This part is called the what? The frontal lobe. It's the largest part of the brain. There it is the seat of conscience, personality, spirituality, reason, okay, all there, right here in the frontal lobe part of the mind, okay, this is where God speaks to us, will, comprehension, right here in the mind, the frontal lobe, we're exposed to frontal attack and assault, that's why we have to defend it and protect it, okay, so what we put into our bodies, that begins to interfere or can infiltrate our mind, and that's the reason why we need to understand this, now, when God created us, we had a perfect mind, the higher powers, before Adam sinned, his higher power controlled his lower power. There's a part in the brain, well, the, all parts of the brain are connected, but there's a special relationship, an inextricable link between the frontal lobe and the deep central part of our brain, connect to our brainstem. That area is called the limbic system, okay? In the limbic system, it's also, uh, a layman's term is called the, lo the lower nature. The lower nature is housed passion, appetite, and desire, okay? It's connected to the higher power, which is our frontal lobe, okay? That governs our intellect, our reason, and our conscience. So the governing power, the will, of course, and that's where the seat of spirituality or the faculty of faith resides. Are you following? 
I hope it's not too, it's not, I want to just give you information that's not too much, no TMI, but just enough so that you can understand where we're going. So this is a picture, a diagrammatic scheme for you to understand it a little bit better, to illustrate my point. Are we on the same page together? Okay, so there, how many natures are there? There's two, the outward and inward, okay? And there, there is the higher power and there's the what? And before sin entered, the higher power controlled what? the lower power, okay? So that's what we want to establish uh, based on this diagram, this illustration. Okay, let's move on now. So we move on. After Adam sinned, the opposite happened. There was a reaction. What happened? His lower power began to control what? His higher power. Do you see? We flipped the script. Thank you. We flipped the script. Is it making sense now? So before Adam sinned, what happened? His higher power controlled his what? Lower power. And now after Adam sinned, his lower power controls his what? That's right. So this is where we're at. So before, let's just recap. There was a perfect mind. And it was actually, I forgot to add here, it was based on love. Okay? Now, after sin entered... It goes to the lower power. The lower power is what I call the is what we call in the brain the limbic system. There is that inextricable link, a correlation between the limbic system and the frontal lobe. The limbic system houses our passion, our desire, our appetite. It also houses our emotions, emotional processing, fair processing, memory, and learning. So what happened was instead of perfect mind equals love, what happened was we became subject because of sin to fear. And we are motivated by fear. We're not motivated by love now. The Bible says, for the love of Christ constraineth us. 2 Corinthians 5 verse 14. But now, our love is operated on the basis of fear. So what happens is the lower nature controls the higher nature. Look at it now. This is what happened. There is, there is the conscience and two errors have occurred here. Behavioral error and doctrinal error. Behavioral error okay, results in negative or wrong ideas built in from childhood, like people who have hereditary cultivated defects, and deep-seated defects remain hidden until a particular provocation triggers it, and it results in unchrist-like behavior. Okay? So this is a diagram of a defect, uh, a defect of character right here. So, in, before... Uh, you can't see it there, but Christ was the center. I think it's not clear there. But now, self is the center, and it results in doctrinal error, which has to deal with truth or the will or the mind, and behavioral error having to do with our actions and our thoughts. So these both parts of the brain control that. Doctrinal error is controlled here in the will. Behavioral error is controlled by the lower nature, our limbic system. Are you following that? Okay, that will help to explain where we're going a little bit here. So, what we just did was we examined the functional anatomy of deep-seated defects. Once you understand the structure or anatomy of strongholds, you can now begin to address at the source and ask God to help us more pow powerfully for deliverance and victory. So in the first session, we talked about health in a more practical way. This one is going to be more application to our spiritual life. Okay, how we can really overcome. How we can, by God's grace, defeat the enemy and sin in our lives. Things that we've been trying to overcome. You know, we may have suppressed childhood memories. We may have defects of character. We may have fears. Don't we all have fears? Phobias of something? Some of us, what, what are you afraid of? Does anyone have any fears? I used to be afraid of heights. Okay? And I still, I don't like, you know, spiders. When I, if they're smaller than me, I kill them. Okay? What are some of your fears? Let's just open up and share a little bit. We all have fears, right? Don't you want to overcome the sum of all fears. You want to overcome your fears. You don't want to be, you don't want to be controlled or motivated by fear because it will disable you. It will cause indecision. So what are some fears? Give me some examples. Heights. Heights, okay. Good, thank you. Thanks. Eunice, Wesley, you have any fear? I guess you're, no fear. No, no. 
Have you had it stir? Yeah? Okay. Okay. Thank you. Anyone else? Ruth? Yeah. Bugs? Okay. Caracal? Failure. See? That's right. That's fair too. Fear of failure. Fear of the unknown. Fear of the dark. Brother. Snakes, okay, okay. Anything else? Um, fear of drowning. Of drowning? Yeah. Interesting. Why, wow. Now, there is what you call an outward manifestation of fear, surface fear, and there's deep, deeper seated fear. That's the fear that sometimes we don't want to talk about. And we kind of touch a fear of failing, fear of, you know, uh, of deep seated things, fear of failing our parents. Fear of personal things, and it goes deeper. So the, there's a surface fear and there's a deep lying fear. How do we eliminate that from our system? That's the question. How can we do that? Well, let's see how God can give us the victory together through this wonderful health message in the context of the three angels' message. So, Satan, satanic agencies took possession of men. When we talk about men, we talk about all human beings, generic term. The bodies of human beings made for the dwelling place of God became the habitation of demons. That's pretty strong. That's when sin entered into the world. The senses, the nerves, the organs of men were worked by supernatural agencies in the indulgence of the vilest lust. That's what we said when sin entered, the lower nature began to control the higher nature. That's why explains why we keep on sinning or staying in a cycle of sin because the lower nature is competing against the higher nature because it's a role reversal now God is trying to restore it and turn it around and reverse it so that the higher nature can control the lower nature that's what it's all about that's why we're here on this earth become more like Jesus so that we can be we can have his character reproduced in our lives that's what it's about that's why we go to church that's why we grow that's why we come to these conferences because we've heard sermons a hundred and a hundred times we've heard great sermons great songs but what is the end result of it? It is to allow the power of God through these messages, through these words, to change, to transform our lives. It's about character development. Each day. Ten years ago, you're not the same person, right? You're, you should be, you'd like to say you're a better person now than five years ago, right? More intelligent, more handsome, more beautiful, more smart, more like Jesus, more bolder to serve Him, more courageous to witness for Him? What do you think? We should, right? That's, that's what we should be moving toward. You agree with me? Well, that's what it's about. That's why we're here. This comes from Ministry of Healing, page 142. Let's keep building our case, because time is going. The brain nerves that connect with the whole system are the only medium through which heaven communicates with man and affects the inmost life. Did you hear that? What is the only medium? The brain nerves. What did we talk about here? What's this again? The frontal lobe. When this is disrupted, when there's a disruption of transmission in the, nerve, in, in the nerves conducting the message, we cannot receive God's word clearly. We cannot discern spiritual things. Okay? And it affects the inmost life. Let's keep building our case. That comes from Education, page 209. Imagination and nerves have been under the control of demons. Wow, that's serious. Testimonies, Volume 3, page 417. Satan is continually seeking to influence human minds. Right? He's influencing human minds by what? His subtle arts. He's a mastermind. Give, given, given of God, but prostituted with all its noble capabilities to oppose and to make of no effect the counsels of the Most High. That comes from Mind, Character, and Personality, MCP, Volume 1, page 18. Okay, let's keep building. Romans 7, 14. Can you read that with me? For we what? For we know that the law is spiritual, but I am carnal, soul under sin. Verse 15. For that which I do, I allow not. For what I would, that do I not. For what I hate, that do I. Don't you hate that? I mean, yeah. I mean, you know, you want to do something right, and then you mess up and you trip on me like, ah, oh, again, I'm not going to let it happen again. But you find yourself, keep on, you keep on doing it. 
What is it? It's because the lower nature controls or trying to control the higher nature. It's competition. It's pure competition. That's what's happening. Now you understand it a little bit better, giving you a little bit of backdrop on it. 7 verse 16 says, If, let's read together, If then I do that which I would not, I consent unto the law that it is good. Now, let's read it. Then it is no more I that do it, but sin that dwells in me. Man, it's sin. It's the sin that dwells in me. I need to get rid of it. Don't you want to get rid of it? I hate it. I don't want sin to get the best of me every time in every situation. How can I overcome? How can we as young people who I believe God has called us in these last days, this army of youth, to give ourselves our talents, our gifts, fresh, untainted, uncrippled to God for His service and for His glory. How can we allow uh, ourselves not to be overtaken by sin? Verse 18 says, let's read together, For I know that in me, that is in my flesh, dwelleth what? No good thing. For to will is present with me, but how to perform that which is good I find not. So he's having a serious battle with self. Here's verse 22. For I delight what? In the law of God after the inward man. Where's the inward man? The mind, right here. Inward man, we talked about it. The outward is the body and the flesh. The inward is the mind. Okay? Verse 23, but I see another law in my where? Members, my body, warring against the law of my mind. See, there it is. Law of the mind. See, he's using it interchangeably so you can understand it. But there's another law that's warring where? Members. When you see the word members, it's a word that represents the body. Okay? Warring against the law of my mind and bringing me into what? Captivity to the law of sin which is in my members or my body. There's a term in science, psychology, and uh, neuroscience called cognitive dissonance. Have you heard of it before? You've heard of it. What is cognitive dissonance? Cognitive dissonance. That's right. Say it a little bit louder. I like it. Absolutely. Can you repeat that one more time? It's when you're doing something that... Uh, you know that is contrary to what you believe, and you either follow what you believe or change what you believe. Exactly. And usually, you usually, one usually knows better, but they tend to choose what they've been always doing. They revert back to their habitual form of practice or their habits, which we're referring to in this case as negative behavior, negative habits. So I know that I shouldn't touch the hot stove. Why? Because if I touch it, I'm going to get burnt. But you know what? I go ahead and touch it anyways. I know I shouldn't drink this because you know what? It, it, it has some side effects, but you know what? It tastes good and everybody else is doing it. So I'm going to try it. That's cognitive dissonance. That's what the Apostle Paul is talking about. Long before scientists and psychologists discovered it, it was in the Bible. It's right in the Bible. This is the whole competition between good and evil to what we know what we ought to do but we don't do it because there is a war raging between the inward man and the members of the body a law of, the law of sin okay in, 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 in my body so this is what he's talking about interesting that's what we're up against so verse 19 for the good that I would I do not but the evil which I would not that I what that's what he says now if I do that, I would not. It is no more I that do it, but sin that dwelleth in me. We talked about that. I find then a law that when I would do good, evil is present with me. So, man, through yielding to Satan's temptations to indulge in temperance, brings the higher faculties in subjection to the animal appetites and passions, which is the what? Remember we talked about it? The lower nature. And when these gain the ascendancy, or when they begin to overcome, man who was created a little lower than angels, with faculties susceptible of the highest cultivation, surrenders to the control of Satan. And he gains easy access to those who are in bondage to what? Appetite. Through, check it out, check it out, check it out. Through intemperance, some sacrifice one half, and others two-thirds of their physical, mental, and moral powers. 
Have you ever eaten something and you feel dizzy, weak, clogged, sluggish? Direct effect on what you ate. Look at that. Some experience that hours later, some experience that days later. Somebody ate, somebody, one of my friends went, man, he's not, he's not Adventist. He's, well, he's former Adventist. So he went and he ate like uh, sushi and shrimp and all this seafood. Man, he says, it tastes so good. You know what? For days, he was just feeling sick and dizzy and weak. And he's like, he couldn't explain it. I said, I can explain it to you. It's directly proportional to what you ate. And he didn't realize, he never believed it. But many people, intelligent people, lawyers, doctors, surgeons, you know what, they, they may be intelligent in one area, but you know what? They're under control of the enemy, some of them, because of their appetite. They don't care, they're not watching what they eat. So it's very interesting how our bodies can fight things that we can resist, but you know what? The devil has people where, they, where he wants them. So he, if he can get them on the point of appetite, he's got all of them. And you may not see the immediate effect, but the effects come later. Okay? So, and we become playthings for the enemy. No way. God doesn't want us to become playthings for the enemy. Temperance, page 146. We are bought with a price. That's the precious blood of Jesus. We are God's property. What do you say? Refusing to follow in the path of obedience, they transferred their allegiance to Satan. The enemy rejoiced in his success in effacing... And I'd like to say erasing, but I won't say erase. You know why? Because it is not completely erased, thanks be to God. Though sin has marred us, we still are a specimen, we talked about it, of Jehovah. That's what we talked about. God still restores us to His image and likeness. So it, He faces, He kind of tries to, to, to remove it or disfigure it. But God wants us to come back and become more like Him. To restore his image in us. So the enemy rejoiced in his success in effacing the divine image from the minds of the people that God has chosen as his representatives. Fundamentals of Christian education, page 499. So conclusion, Satan took over the brain nerves and brought disharmony, perversion, and destruction. You and I became affected and infected by sin. This became our carnal nature. The lowers, lower powers began to rule the higher powers. Okay, so let's keep building our case. After the serial killing, the first serial killing is not murder she wrote, it was murder he wrote, was in the garden. The first serial killing, Cain killed his brother Abel. After the expulsion from Eden, it created the first generation of dysfunctional families. Why do you think we have so much messed up families? It started there. I mean, we all have. I mean... No family is perfect. I mean, there are some families that appear to be perfect, right? And there are some that are really nice families. But ultimately, when you really look at yourselves, look at your family, you definitely can see, you know, it's not perfect. But God wants to restore those families, right? He wants to restore our families. Sin had brought a change of relationship which caused a perversion of faculties rather than a transaction in which certain holy faculties were exchanged for unholy faculties. Okay, let's keep building our case. So the weapons of our spiritual warfare. Are you ready for this? You can take notes on this. I put it in point form. This is how you and I can truly overcome in the name of Jesus. Ephesians chapter 6, one of my favorite chapters. You know this chapter. You've read it growing up in the church, if you grew up in the church. And you probably had role plays and uh, lots of illustrations on this. Ephesians 6 is very important for us so that you can guard yourself, so you can defend yourself from the power of the enemy. Ready? Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10 says, let's read together. Finally, what? My brethren, be what? Strong in who? The Lord. Yes, you can. And in the power of His might, put on the what? Whole armor of God that you may be able to do what? Stand against what? The wilds of the devil, that's so important. You've got to put on the whole armor of God. So what's the armor of God? Let's go together. For we wrestle not, what? Against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this world, against spiritual wickedness in high places. Are you seeing it now? You can't even see this warfare. Number 13, verse 13. Wherefore, take unto you, what? 
the whole armor of God that you may be able to do what? Withstand in the evil day. Stick a pin there for a moment. You know what withstand means? You know homes that we live in or condos or apartments, they are built with a certain code description. There's what we call a building code. They're built to withstand fire to a certain degree. So they must meet this building code, okay? Or homes down in, say, Florida, uh, where it's prone to uh, hurricanes and tornadoes and tropical storms. They are built with a certain code, a special building code that enables that house or that building to withstand a certain degree of a category of a hurricane, tornado, or tropical storm. Are you following with me? Here's the thing. Withstand. God realizes that there's going to be some temptations. There's going to be some hurricanes in our lives. There's going to be some storms, even some fires. So He has built within us the material to withstand those external things. But here's the thing. Because when a fire comes and a house is built with the right materials, just maybe the exterior is burned, but the frame stays. Okay? The foundation remains. Well, likewise, when temptation comes to you and I, fires, tornadoes, in a spiritual sense, guess what? God has put within us something that makes us withstand. And having done all to stand in Christ and with Christ. That's what He wants. So you can withstand some rough times, some storms, and you can also stand at the end. That's what God wants for us, for you and I, young people. So it doesn't mean there's not going to be any fires. Come on. Fireproof. There was this movie called Fireproof. Have you ever seen it? It was a Christian movie. And I like this line in it. You know, fireproof doesn't mean that fires won't come. It simply means that when they do come, you'll, you'll be able to withstand them. So God wants to make you fireproof and armor-proof. So the enemy cannot touch you. He may try to but he can't take you down. All right? So, number 14, verse 14 says, Stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth. What are those loins? Well, loins referring to your moral powers. Okay? Loins, of course, is close to, of course, your two legs, and it's referring to immorality. It's referring to licentiousness. It's referring to sexual, essential behavior. So, truth in our inward part, in our will, guards us against immorality. Okay? How do I know that? Do you remember the classic case of Joseph and Potiphar's wife? Okay? Potiphar's wife must have been really beautiful, very seductive, very sexy, very attractive, right? But, what did Joseph say? Huh? He had his loins girt about with truth, his mind, his will. He says, how can I do this great wickedness and sin against God? He protected. His loins was girded about with truth. He didn't yield to an immoral situation. He could have, but he didn't because he, was, he had the armor of God. And having on the breastplate of righteousness, okay, so it's all connected, prevents immorality, perverted behaviors, which is controlled in the lower nature, in the deep central part of our brain called the what? Limbic system. You getting it? You seeing the picture now? The Bible is so connected with science, and it's just amazing. I love, when I started studying this, I said, wow, it just makes so much sense to me. It just makes me want to know more about this. And your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. In other words, no fear. Emotionally stable. What prevents us from witnessing for Christ? Some people say, I'm shy. I don't know how to do it. I'm afraid. I, I can't approach people because I don't know. They might think I'm weird. I'm crazy. They might pull out a gun at me. You know, what? it's usually fear that motivates us, that prevents us from reaching out, being bold, being courageous, being a witness. You know, Pastor Ben this morning talked about the word witness comes from, you know, the original Greek word martyr. A martyr has no fear. Because he knows that his life is in God. So he's willing to stand up in light of the consequences, in light of the threats. Whatever is thrown at him, he doesn't matter because he's a martyr for God. That's a type of faith. He's not saying that we should have a martyrdom type of faith, but a martyr's type of faith. 
So we don't want to think that we're all going to die because we become martyrs. No, but the type of faith is a no-fear faith. Because wherever there is faith, there can be no fear. Because faith replaces fear. Are you following? Faith and fear cannot coexist. They don't, they, they're like oil and water. They don't mix. Faith always replaces fear. Okay? Let's keep going, building our case. Verse 16, above all, taking the shield of faith. No fear. The limbic system. That's where fear originates, in the limbic system. But we take the shield of faith. Fear is gone. Faith uh, replaces fear. Wherewith you shall be able to stand, uh, be able to quench rather all the fiery darts of the wicked. That's the armor of God. And then finally, 17, and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Where does the Word of God reside? In our will. In our where? Right here. Frontal lobe in our mind. That's where the will is housed, seated right here. So you got to take the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. This is our defense. We need it. Some of the, when I'm growing up, I was growing up, still growing up, <clears throat> but as I was growing up in my teenage years, youth, young man, some of the great temptations that I faced with relationships, with friends, you know what kept me? Was the scriptures that I had memorized when I was young. Do you know that? I used to think it was like a waste of time, but you know what? It's not a waste of time. What you learn from young, a childhood, those scriptures would come back to me. Scriptures like, Thy word have I hid in mine heart, that I might not sin against thee. Scriptures that, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. I mean, when those texts came into my head, something, it did something to me. It strengthened my conscience, my will, so that when I'm placed in a tempting situation, a temptation like Joseph, we can run, we can reason, we can quote the scripture and say, and when you, when you recite God's word, it gives you power because God's word has power. That's how you can overcome. You don't have to keep yielding. You yield yourself to the power of God, to the word of God. That's how we overcome. See, it's powerful. God can do it. He wants to do it for you and I. So the devil can't get us. He can't take us. Number one, ready for this? There are about six principles and we're going to wrap it up uh, by quarter to twelve. Number one, the principles of the cross is the weapon against self-centeredness, the spiritual uh, part of self-denial. So against self-centeredness and self-denial, the principles of the cross is the weapon against self-centeredness and self-denial. Uh, number, well, let me just break this down a little bit more. The principle of self-sacrificing love is the foundation principle of God's government. Because the Bible says in 1 John 4 verse 8, He that loveth not knoweth not God, for God is what? God is love. He equals love. He is the epitome of love. It is in fact the law of life for the universe and it was fully revealed at the cross. God's greatest demonstration of love was revealed where? At the cross. That's love. Love in action. Luke 9 verse 23 says, And he said to them all, If any man will come after me, let him do what? Deny himself, take up his cross daily, and do what? Follow me. So deny yourself, take up your cross, number two, and thirdly, follow me. So it was, we're illustrating the point of self Sacrifice, self, getting away from self-centeredness. When you're selfish, it begins to, you begin to mind sin. Sin inhabits self-centeredness. So we have to move away from self-centeredness now to Christ, to Christ-centeredness. Okay, that's what we're, the battle is right now for the mind. Verse 24 says, For whosoever will save his life shall lose it, but whosoever will lose his life for my sake, the same shall do what? Save it. Let's keep building our case, friends. Number two, the truth is the weapon against error. Okay? The truth is the weapon against error. Doctrinal truth is received by studying Bible truth, meditating, contemplating on Christ and spiritual things, allowing God to reveal Himself 
through His Word to you. So how do we get to know God more? A knowledge of His Word reveals who God is, who His character is. That's very important. So I need you to understand that. Okay? So truth is the weapon against error. Because do you remember what happened in the Garden of Eden? Satan used the medium of what? The serpent. And he told a half-truth. But a half-truth is a full lie. If I fill this glass here with orange juice, okay? Or your favorite juice. And I took out my little uh, tester where I had uh, one of those needles. And I just put a droplet of poison. Just a pint of poison. You can't even see it. It looks like orange juice. It smells like orange juice. And, it, and when you drink it, it tastes like orange juice. But after it goes down, with that one droplet of poison, you die. That's what the devil did. So he mixed truth with error. Error is what the devil uses. Deception and deceit is what the devil uses. That's his master strategy. The only way we can combat it, friends, is the truth, doctrinal truth, through God's word. Are you following with me? Are you with me? Okay, let's keep building our case. So, John 17 verse 17 says what? <clears throat> let's read together. Sanctify them through thy what? Truth. Thy word is truth. First John 1 verse 7. Let's read that together. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have what? Fellowship or intimate communion one with another. And the blood of who? Jesus Christ, his son, cleanseth us from all sin. Don't we want that? Don't we, we cleanse? Where does he cleanse us? He purifies where? The mind. This is it right here. 1 Corinthians chapter 2, uh, chapter, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 12. Let's read that together. Now we have what? Received not the spirit of the world, but the spirit which is of who? God. That we might know the things that are freely given to us of God. Verse 16. For who hath known the mind of the Lord, that he may instruct him? But we have what? Can you imagine? You, God, has given us the mind of Christ. That's a gift. Therefore, behavioral truth is learned by studying the life, the character, and the love of God through Jesus Christ. So that's why you've got, you know, you've heard the saying, by beholding we become changed. You've seen that, right? So think about it. Think about all that you've witnessed, TVs, movies, media. Think about how has that influenced your life. I remember growing up, and you know when you're a child, we all want the name brands, right? So Adidas and Nike, just do, you know, the whole works. And then all these other things came out like FUBU and Sean John and all, all these other stuff, right? And we all want we want, we want to get that thing because you know what? We're consumed by it. We see it. Friends are sporting it. They're wearing the t-shirt. You want to wear the t-shirt too. But I realize it's because I associated myself with that so much that I desired it so much. So now for the Christian life, we got to desire. Not those things, but desire the things of God. When we desire the things of God more, guess what? Those things become secondary. And those desires are actually diminished and eventually eliminated. And the desire for spiritual things becomes supreme. So what are you craving for? See, what's your appetite? We talked about what's on your menu in our first session. What's your appetite like? What type of appetite do you have? Do you have an appetite for things of God? Because if you don't have an appetite for things of God, you'll have an appetite for something else and for many other things. That's the truth. Think about it. You will. And then, those things become more important than the things of God. They begin to replace. They become priority, first place, and God takes the backseat in our lives. So the only way, see, we're always fighting, but God has not given us uh, the spirit of fear. And God has given us all that is necessary so that we can become that. We don't have to struggle with this. God says, ask and it shall be given to you. Seek and you shall find. Knock and it will be open unto you. That's His promise. It's as easy as A, B, C and 1, 2, 3. 
Behavioral errors, wrong ways, or behaving or reacting under provocation are learned from early childhood. And the most deeply embedded of all character defects happens when we're young. They include some of the most difficult to overcome. Have you seen this? Have you ever tried to overcome your anger? And have problems with it? Have you ever over tried to overcome impatience? How many, how many of you can relate to this? Retaliation? An unforgiving spirit? Yeah, she stepped on my toe. I'm going to step on hers. Maybe two. Envy? Jealousy? Yeah, he got, she got him. No way. Unduly, sense, unduly sensitive? Pride? Misery? Fretfulness? Discontent? Can anybody relate with that here? Of course. We all experience one, if not more, of those things. Right? That's deeply embedded defects of character. God wants us to overcome them. The devil doesn't want us to overcome Once it stays there, once he says, oh, you look good, you're going to church, you smell good, you look good, you talk the right language, that's where the devil keeps us, at the surface, superficial. But he leaves the deeply embedded defects of character there so that one thing, you might be 90% saved. No, this is no 90%. You've got to be 100% saved or not. Even if it's 99%. And the devil has a 1% stronghold. He's still, he's got his hook in us. We've got to be completely sold out to God. What do you say out there? Isn't it the truth? God wants all of us or none of us at all. And when we give ourselves to God, give Him 100%. Or no percent at all. Because the devil delights in half-truth, which is a full lie. Inability to express love. Have you ever had that ex feeling or that experience? Inability to admit wrong? Huh? How about that one? I know I've had problems with that because we're supposed to be always right, right? Strife for the supremacy, lust, covetousness, that's all deeply embedded defects of character. So how do we overcome it? Death to self. It's the principle of the cross. We talked about it and it's the power of God's love. That's the only way. When we see who God is, we realize that, you know what? We need Him. When you look at Him and what He did for you and I at the cross, if you stay there long enough, if you contemplate that long enough, it will begin to work in your heart in a way that you can't begin to imagine. Because by beholding, we become changed. Secondly, daily surrender to the Spirit of God. Every day. Do you hear that word? Daily. That's the operative word. Daily. Not once a week. Not just on Sabbath. You know, we go to church, we get our holy hype and our fix on and we're good to go for the week. No. Yes, church is, church is the culmination of what happens in the week. And sometimes we are down and discouraged. We need a lift. We need a boost, right? Amen. That's why we go to church. That's why we fellowship. It's a good thing. But we can't just expect to live on church and the pastor's sermon for the rest of the week. Because that's where the struggle begins. Have you ever had the spiritual amazing experience at church? Or one of these conferences? It's great. It's a feeling. You wish you could capture it, put it in a bottle, and take it with you, whatever. And when you feel down and out, you take it out, you know, you get an inhale or sniff it or whatever. Do a spliff joint on it. I'm just kidding. But you know, you know what I'm saying? And you wish you could do that. You wish you could capture that, right? But the real test begins after you've had that holy lift, that, that experience with the God. The test comes after, and that's where God wants to take what you've learned, what you've heard, what has come into your heart that has motivated you, that has inspired you now, and apply it to the battle. Because when you leave church, you go to the battlefield at school, at the workplace, at home, amongst your friends. You're on the battlefield. So you've got to take what you've learned and now take out those weapons and begin to protect and defend yourself against the attack of the enemy. Do you see what we're going? So we're, we're under this all the time. So daily surrender. So every day you wake up, Lord, I surrender mind, body, and spirit to you. Lord, take my life today. Let me tell you, if you've never begun your day with God, you've never really started your day. You know how we have appointments? dental appointment, eye appointment, massage appointment, whatever your appointment is, you must have and meet your daily divine appointment. If you miss that appointment, you've missed your greatest appointment for the day. Doesn't mean you have to be there for an hour or two, but if it's 15, 20 minutes, half an hour, but concentrated time with God in the morning before you start your day, let me tell you something. Try this. I challenge you as you leave here. Your day will be victorious. It doesn't mean you won't be assailed with temptations. It doesn't mean you won't be attacked. But when you are, you are in such the right perspective and the frame of mind that you're able to not allow it to defeat your day. 
you become the victor. You triumph over those things because you started your day with God. Try it. And thirdly, the true message of God's character of love. That's how we can begin to defeat or overcome these deeply embedded defects of character. Death to self. Okay, the Apostle Paul says this, I die daily, I'm crucified with Christ. Galatians 2 verse 20, you remember that one? We've got to be, okay, daily surrender to the Spirit of God, daily, my friends, and then finally, the true understanding of the character of God's love. That helps us when we see who God really is. He's not just a God that is far distant, He is a God that resides within us. He's a God that is beside you, a God that goes before you, a God that goes behind you because He cares about every area of our lives. Do you believe that? It's the truth. Okay. Number three. Point number three. Thinking positively is the weapon against negative direction of thoughts. How many of you always... <laughs> how many of you think positively? There are people that you must know that are just negative. All they talk is, is not going to work out. Yeah, I don't have enough. That, it's just all negative. And you know what? That begins to shape the direction of their life. Don't hang out with people like that. They will rub off on you. Unless you are rubbing off on them, hopefully, in a positive way. You know what the wisest man said, Solomon? He said this, as a what? Man or a person thinks in his heart, so is he. It's the truth. The way you think determines your actions, your habits. God wants us to be positive, happy, and overcoming people. Do you believe it? Of course, as a person thinks. So if you think positive based on the promises of God, guess what? Your outcome will be also positive. So you've got to believe that. Okay? Merry heart does good like a medicine. We don't have much time. I'm going to have to go through it. Uh, lightning speed here. Um, Laser beam speed here. You remember that text? A merry heart does good like a what? Medicine. Okay? A what kind of heart? A happy, a positive heart that's good like a medicine. What does it do? Okay. I'm glad you asked. Let's build a case. Benefits of laughter and positive thinking. Have you ever seen... Don't you love babies? Like when a baby smiles, it doesn't make you smile? Does it make you... When a baby laughs, does it make you want to laugh too? There's something innocent and beautiful about a baby. When they laugh or smile in your face, you also smile. And also want to laugh. There's something contagious about laughter. The Bible says, a merry heart doeth good like a medicine. Okay, let's explore that a little bit. So, you know what happens when you laugh? When you have a merry heart? It exercises your lungs. It stimulates your circulatory system. It increases oxygen intake into the lungs and your blood. And like an internal jogger, your heart rate, your breathing and circulation are speeded up to the point, not over sped up, but speeded up so that it can have fresh oxygen air, fresh circulating oxygenated blood, your pulse and rate, your pulse rate and your blood pressure decrease, and your skeletal muscles will relax. You know when you're stressed out and you get a good laugh? Doesn't it relax you a little bit? Of course. The Bible says it. There's medicine right there. Look at it long before. It was in the Bible. A merry heart doeth good like a medicine. You know that movie, um, <clears throat> uh, Dr. Patch Adams? You're... Uh, he was this, supposed to be called a doctor who used laughter therapy and he used it on cancer patients. Long story short, he found he had, of course, the control and the case study. And those who were on the laughter therapy who had cancer, guess what? Their immune system was boosted, was fortified. Their cancers, a lot of them, majority went into remission. They had faster recovery times than those who were controlled who never had laughter therapy. Serious. It's in the Bible. So research in the uh, University of California, Los Angeles showed when genuine laughter occurs, it stimulates the sympathetic nervous system to produce catecholamine. <clears throat> okay, the anterior lobe of the pituitary gland will stimulate, and catecholamine, <clears throat> this neurotransmitter, will be stimulated to produce what? You've heard of this one, right? Endorphins. They are the natural opiates. They are the, make you the feel-good hormones. That's what happens. When you laugh, it stimulates the, the, the sympathetic nervous system to produce this neurotransmitter, catecholamine, which is, of course, uh, which originates in the anterior lobe of the pituitary gland, which then stimulates to produce endorphins. Isn't that amazing? So what are the effects of endorphins? 
They soothe and relax the mind. The endorphin relieves pain more effectively than morphine. So people who, are, who want painkillers, they go for morphine, laugh. Let the body reduce the natural uh, endorphin. Endorphin elevates the mood. Endorphins increase activity of immune cells. Okay? Check this out. One picogram, which equals one trillionth gram, increases NK. You know what NK is? NK is natural killer cell activity against tumor cells by 42%. One picogram. That is unbelievable. So that's why the Bible is a merry heart. Do you think the devil wants us to have a merry heart? Stresses out with sickness, with busyness, with work, with family problems, with health issues. We don't have time to enjoy, be contented, to have a merry heart. No way! Let's go. Positive emotions can impact the immune system. This doctor, McKellen, he showed uh, that positive emotions result improvements in conditions of seriously ill patients, okay? But here's the other part of the text. It says, a broken spirit does what? What does it do? It dries the bones. So a merry heart is good like medicine. What's a broken spirit? What's a broken spirit? Depression, discouragement, sadness, defeat, fear. That's a broken spirit. So that's where the devil wants to keep us. Do you see? The very opposite. What does it do? Dries the bones. Okay, what's important about the bones? Okay, you'll see the connection here. It's all about that health and gospel connection. You'll see the big picture when we come down to the end. Here's a study from Harvard. They did this uh, comprehensive personality test. They measured tolerance, confidence, and self-esteem. What they did was they took a blood sample, which they drew from a vein, and then they analyzed it and they discovered that the natural killer cells were exposed to cancer cells for four hours to measure the results, okay, as they were testing uh, personality. What they discovered was that natural killer cells from the positive students destroyed more tumor cells than from any other personality group. Did you hear that? The natural killer cells from the positive students destroyed more tumor cells. Now, how about this? The natural killer cells from depressed students were the least active in destroying cancer cells. Do you see that? So the devil wants us to have a broken spirit so that, guess what? Our body can remain in a diseased, sick condition. So God knows to be healthy and have the mind of Christ, we must be free from what? Come on now, free from what? Negative thoughts. Here is a text from the Bible, Proverbs 3, verse 7 and 8. You should jot that one down. It says, Be not wise in thine own eyes. Fear the Lord and depart from evil. It shall be health to thy navel and marrow to thy bones. What is produced in the marrow, bone marrow? Thank you very much. So, the health of our bones are very important, yes or no? Would you agree? Because if you have healthy bone development, what are you going to have? Healthy bone marrow, producing healthy red blood cells, improving our circulation. Okay, are you seeing the connection? Okay. Before discovery of modern science, the Bible has implied that bone marrow could be healthier if one departs from evil thinking, from negative thoughts. The Bible had it long time ago. Is that amazing? What do we talk about in our first session? The life is where? In the blood. Leviticus chapter 11. The life is in the blood. So therefore, it dries the bone. You know what depression and mental health does? Uh, poor mental health does to you? It dries the bone. It saps, it demineralizes the bone. So therefore, it affects bone marrow production. Red blood cell production in the bone marrow. It's all in the Bible. It's amazing. You see the connection? Are you seeing that deep connection? It's not about tofu, veggie links, and I told you beans. It's more than that. It's truly amazing. So, 4 verse 8, Philippians 4 verse 8 says this. Let's read together. Finally, brethren, whatsoever things are what? True. Whatsoever things are honest. Whatsoever things are just. Whatsoever things are pure. Whatsoever things are lovely. Whatsoever things are of good report. If there be any virtue and if there be any praise, think on what? These things. Okay, we're wrapping up with our last few slides here. Philippians 4 verse 6 says, Be careful for what? Nothing but in what? Everything by prayer and supplication. With thanksgiving, let your requests be made known unto God. And the 
peace of God. Don't we need peace? Which passeth all understanding shall keep your hearts and minds through Jesus Christ. The peace of God, when there's peace of God, there's no fear. There's calm. Okay? That's what the devil doesn't want us to have. He wants us to be in pieces, not to have peace. 2 Corinthians 3 verse 5, Not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think anything as of ourselves, but our sufficiency is of who? It's of who? Our sufficiency is of God. 2 Corinthians 3 verse 5, It's all of God, by God, through God, in Him. 2 Corinthians 4 verse 15 says, For all things are for your sakes, that the abundant grace... What kind of grace? Abundant grace. God has given each one of us, my friends, abundant grace might through the thanksgiving of many redound to the glory of God. We were created to glorify God. For which cause we faint not, verse 16, but through our outward man, or rather, but though our outward man, which is what? Referring to what? The body perish, yet the inward man, our mind, is renewed day by day. That's what God wants us, the inward person, the mind, to be renewed day by day. Verse 17, for a light affliction, which is but what? For what? Moment worketh for us a far more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. God has a purpose and plan. Number four, I think there's six points, we're almost there. Number four, the love of God is the weapon against what? Fear. Fear is the motivation which drives negative thinking to satanic strongholds. We talked about the limbic system and another structure called the amygdala. It disrupts the network between this part of the brain and the frontal lobe. So love is, the love of God is a weapon against this fear. Okay, and we're going to really quickly go through this. First uh, John chapter 4 verse 16 says this, And we have known and believed the love that God has to us. God is what? Love, and he that dwelleth in love dwelleth in God, and God in him. And verse 17, here is our love made what? Perfect, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in this world. Now, it gets even sweeter. Check it out. Let's read this together. There is what? No fear in love, but perfect love does what? Casteth out fear, because fear hath torment. He that feareth is not made perfect in love. We love him because what? Praise God, he first loved us. That's true love. Okay, number five. Adversity is used by God to uncover our hidden defects. God allows, at times, difficulties, trials, provocation, interpersonal friction, Church problems, somebody knows what I'm talking about. Life, family, life challenges, etc. To show us what defects are hidden deep down. So God uses that at times. And we wonder, why God? Why are you sending this to me? Why am I going through this hard time? Why? Because God loves us so much that He doesn't want us to leave us the same way that we are. Romans chapter 5, verse 1 says, Therefore being justified by what? Faith. We have what? Peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom, verse 2, we have access by faith into this grace, wherein we do what? Stand. Where do we see that word again, stand? Ephesians chapter 6, right? Stand and rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Verse 3 says, and not only so, but we glory in tribulations also, knowing that tribulation worketh patience, and patience experience, and experience hope, and hope maketh not ashamed, because what? The love of what? God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost, which is given unto us. Amen. And uh, I like this one here. It says, but God commendeth His love toward us in that while... We were what? Yet sinners. When we were still in sin, while we rejected God, while we put Him on the backseat, while we gave God second place, He still died for us. Much more being now justified by His blood, we shall be saved from wrath through Him. For if then we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of His Son. Much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by His 
life. And not only so, but we also joy in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, by whom we have now received the atonement. That means being one with God again. God, Jesus was the bridge that brought us back to God. He was a bridge between heaven and earth, between us and God. Okay, I'm going to skip through this. I'm going to read uh, Romans 5 verse 20. says, Moreover, the law entered that the offense might abound, but where sin abounded, grace did how much more? Much more abound. Thanks be to God for His grace, my friends. That a sin hath reigned unto death, verse 21, Romans 5, verse 21, even so might grace reign through righteousness unto eternal life by Jesus Christ our Lord. And I'm going to go to point, well, let, let, I want you to read this one. This is a good one. Romans 8, verse 28, do you know that one? And we know that all things, not some things, all things, good and even bad, all things work together for good to them that love God, to them who are called according to His purpose. Just remember, God uses every circumstance in your life for His purpose, to accomplish His purpose for you. Okay? So, i got to go through this really quickly because we're out of time here and we're going to shift down to our last point. Okay, when a defective mindset... A satanic stronghold is conquered, it is replaced by a victory circuit. In contrast to a satanic stronghold, a victory circuit or divine stronghold has the following characteristics. Let's review this really quickly and we'll be out of here. So here is a victory circuit. Its motivation is not fear, but what? Its motivation is what? Love. Okay? Instead of behavioral error and doctrinal error, and being self-centered, it is what now? Christ-centered. And behavioral error is replaced with behavioral truth and with doctrinal truth. It generates positive thinking. The content of a victory circuit is doctrinal and behavioral truth. The direction of thinking is in harmony with God's word. And under provocation, it produces and exhibits Christ-like behavior. Higher emotional intelligence and thought pattern is Christ-centered. So therefore, second Adam's victory, which is Jesus Christ, the second Adam, through him, our higher power now can control our lower power. What do you say? Isn't that wonderful? That's what happens. That's all we've been learning. It is now to restore God's image in you and I. That's the great health connection. Mind body, and spirit. Here it is. We're wrapping up here. The triad of wholeness. Do you see it? Body, okay, brain, mind, spirit, heart. Body, mind, spirit. Body, brain, heart, and the physical, the mental, and the spiritual. Isn't that a powerful? Wholeness. God wants you and I to be whole. Not with an H. That's what the world uh, promotes. Holistic with an H. Well, of course, it has a big hole in it. But God has W. It's a hole. He wants you to be whole. Okay? God doesn't want you to be like a donut. No hole in the middle. He wants you to be whole in Him. So, number one, review, and we're done. It is Christ-centered. Number two, it's built on doctrinal truth and behavioral truth of God's character of love as revealed in who? Jesus Christ, our Lord. We're talking about that victory circuit. It is positive in direction. For example, it is in harmony with the positive principles of self-sacrificing agape, love of God. Number four, it is motivated by love, faith in God, and not by fear. Number five, it is built deep and subtly into the mind of the Holy Spirit, by the Holy Spirit. And number six, under provocation, it produces Christ-like behavior. Number seven, finally, it produces rest, the peace of God in His finished work for us at the cross of Calvary throughout our lifetime. That's what God wants for us. So this is the connection. And on this point, I will end. And I hope and pray that you have been able to get a picture. We talked about a lot today. It was a lot of information. But ultimately, God wants us to experience the victory circuit in Him replacing our negative behaviors and thoughts, moving from being self-centered to being Christ-centered. And when He becomes all in all, and He's in the right place, the first place in our hearts, 
which is our mind, and He resides there through the Holy Spirit, we will be overcomers through Jesus Christ our Lord. God wants us to be overcomers because you know what? In order for an army to be successful, they've got to have the right attitude. They have to be equipped with the right armor, the right tools, right? But also, the greatest tool is to be mentally fit. You may be physically fit, but if you're not mentally fit, you're not going to be successful. So God wants us to be whole beings. He's created us to be whole beings in Him. So, with that, let's have a word of prayer and we'll close. Dear Jesus, thank you for the amazing information you give us. Help us to process this, digest this. It's a lot of information, but Lord, more importantly, we want to see you. And I pray that through it all, a clearer picture of you, your power, and your love, and your character of truth and righteousness will be revealed in such a way that you would transform us and it will be revealed in us to everyone we come in contact with. Bless us now. Bless all my friends here. May they leave this place with a sense of victory and assurance that you are with them and beside them. And Lord, you are working on us to make us more like you. As we surrender mind, body, and spirit to you, may you be glorified in our lives. Is our prayer at all times in Jesus' name. Amen. This media was brought to you by Audioverse, a website dedicated to spreading God's Word through free sermon audio and much more. If you would like to know more about Audioverse, or if you would like to listen to more sermons, please visit www.audioverse.org.